Welcome to The Knicks, where we talk about pop culture until we can't stand it anymore and we nix it. I'm Justin Hartung. And I'm Fanny Darling. As always, a quick warning, there might be spoilers for anything we talk about on this podcast, but we always do our best to let you know that they're coming. This week, we have a new president, yay, and new movies and new TV to talk about. Uh, Specifically, we're talking about WandaVision, Marvel's first foray into MCU television, and the much-discussed new movie, Promising Young Woman. let's get into our main topic. Uh, We're going to talk about Promising Young Woman, which is a new movie. It's currently available to rent if you want to drop 20 bucks on it. Uh, Carrie Mulligan plays Cassie, who's seeking justice and or revenge for a sexual assault of a college friend. It's written and directed uh, by Emerald Fennell. Fennell? I'm like, like Fennell? Right? (laughs) Sorry, Emerald. It's just, there's a lot of ways you could say that. (laughs) And also stars a cast of familiar faces, including Alison Brie, Jennifer Coolidge, Connie Britton, Laverne Cox, Max Greenfeld, strangely, the bash from Glow, and all over the place. Bo Burnham, everybody. Everybody's in this. It is a Uh, crazy cast. (laughs) Yep. Non-spoilers first, just a quick check-in. Justin, is this worth watching? So... I'd heard so much about this movie it, Me from too. people that I really love and respect, loved it, um, and too. got me really jazzed to see it. I thought the preview looked super engaging and great. And I Full don't side. think I don't think this is a bad movie. Like definitely not. I think there's some some good things to talk about, which I think we'll kind of get into the further we go into it, but I don't know that this movie really knew what it was. Like it just totally <sighs> did not work for me in the way that I was wanting it to, or kind of expecting it to. It just, I I, I get, I think what I get at the heart of it, that was powerful, especially by the end. And we'll talk about that later, but that sort of grief and rage. And I think so much of that has to do with just Carrie Mulligan's performance. She's just. Carrie Mulligan is a a wonder. So good in it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it really does, you know, not that this is a new thing, um, but it's also something that bears repeating is the creepy nice guys often are the worst. I think it does a really good job of kind of exploring that uh, dynamic, but I just, I don't know, like I, I, about 15 minutes into it, I I, I turned to Dave and was like, this should either be like a crazy John Waters movie (laughs) or it should be something more thoughtful, but it's landing somewhere in the middle and I don't, really know what it's doing (laughs) um so yeah that's it what about you okay early non-spoilery thoughts i just it was much more mundane than i thought it was gonna be uh like you said not thoughtful and i just kept thinking this is this is it this is like i don't know not that there's just not that much there. I can kind of tell you where it's going. And I expected it because of the early hype and, 
and all of that to be more than it was. And it was really trying to sell you on the fact that it was more than it was. It did long, lingering shots of desserts and people chewing on Twizzlers. And it really, really thought it was way artsier and important and impactful than it was hitting me. Carrie Mulligan's great. Everybody in this movie is good. They're all giving truly believable and lived-in performances, but I, I just didn't get the impact of it, you know? Yeah, I agree. Especially for as much as it could have been interesting, and especially with the ending that we'll get into uh, when we get into spoilers, it, it could have been great, and that was kind of hard that it wasn't. It's a first time uh, Emerald Fennell has basically done some TV writing, including um, uh, what's the show that, um, oh my God, what's the show with, uh, you know, the two, the assassin and the detective that's trying to track her down. Killing Eve? Yes, Killing Eve. That's the name of it. Thank you. Um, (laughs) Look, we're playing like heads up, only (laughs) Justin and Fanny version. Exactly. Um, It was, she was one of the writers on the second season, I believe, of that show. And it, it tracks you mean when it started to go downhill yeah and it tracks in that way of like that show when it's at its worst is sort of like i'm being titillating but i also care about these characters but in kind of just a middle groundy tv sort of way and i i I felt some of the tv vibes in this like it it had kind of movie kind of stylish aspirations in those twizzlers and those kind of scenes and but it didn't yeah, it didn't really land. Carrie them. Mulligan had great nails, had <laughs> great wigs. I she looked fabulous through this entire movie and yeah. nailed the performance. I thought she was great. Yeah. I thought Burnham was great. Um I thought Bash was really good too. And, yeah, he was really know, good. Allison Bree's always on point. I mean, she's never bad. Yeah. Um Connie Britton, Laverne Cox. I wanted more of her. She was fun. She was I, really fun. Clancy Brown and uh, Jennifer Coolidge as Carrie Mulligan's parents were fun. I mean, this is worth watching just for the performances. I agree. But just stay, like, maybe don't read anything or expect anything. Or if you haven't heard anything about this movie, you might really enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, if I went in as blind as... I think you need to go into to have this movie hit you. And even that's going to be too much for somebody listening to the podcast. Like if I just sat down, knew nothing about it, hadn't seen the trailer, hadn't heard a good goddamn thing. I might've had a very different reaction. Yeah. But I was waiting for a twist. I was waiting for it to be impactful. I was waiting for something, you know? It's like when they, I hate to make the pun of the title, but it's like when they say a promising first feature Yep. It does feel like that. Um, and it is. And I will yeah. see what this person does next. I It was well written. It was well plotted. The pacing I had some issues with, but it was well plotted. You know, it, it yep. laid its Easter, you know, it laid its outline well and, and set up for everything was expected and yet had, you know, still had nuances of, oh, I maybe I didn't see that part coming, you know. I, it had good bones, yeah. but it just fell short. I agree. Um, should we get into spoilers? Should we talk about that ending? <laughs> yeah, let's talk about that ending. Yeah, one um, crazy candy-colored nail, two candy-colored nails, three candy-colored nails. 
Um, wow. The ending of this movie, I will say it, it did. I did not see that coming. I really was like kind of shocked by it. Um, definitely. I did. Once you? he, when he put the pillow over her face, I thought, okay, now her planning it. I very much did not see that coming. And I was impressed with that. Um, but the minute he starts to put his, you know, they, there's even a line in the dialogue about it. It was so much that uh, you killed a hooker on the on your uh, at your bachelor party. What is this? A '90s movie? It's so, and it, it made this meta commentary, but also you are just the Peter Berg movie about Christian Slater and his friends that kill the like, very bad things, whatever the fuck it was. Right. And then there was like a bunch of movies that were we kind of a comedy with cute guys, but we're also dark and somebody dies and super right. misogynistic. And I mean, Just, good for you for noticing what you are, but that's what you are. Now, the fact that she planned it, I don't know if that makes it any better. Well, I, and I also feel like partly the thing that I had connected with the movie was her kind of grief and anger. Right. And then just having her die and like, even if she gets sort of revenge beyond the grave in this very weirdly right. comical final wedding scene, it right. just sort of feels like, ah, this is kind of a downer and not in an interesting way. Like what, what were they trying to say with that ending? Right. I did like the twisted. conundrum. She left Bo Burnham in, in the, he's basically got clean hands. You know what right. I mean? He's not going to go to, but and he's basically a nice guy who has basically grown up. Yeah. But now you're gonna think you're gonna think about this forever. And so that is actually a nice little piece of revenge there. Yeah. Bo Burnham also um it's so crazy that he directed um the kid movie, eighth grade. Eighth grade. Um yeah. so wild. I had no idea he looked like that. Just right. brain was like, what? That's Bo Burnham. Um, but it, very good. I How thought could that, you have been the gawky eighth grader? Yeah, You're good looking and exactly. sweet. Yeah. <laughs> and and I thought some of that stuff was really some of the strongest part of the movie, right? Oh, there. I absolutely and I thought he was good. I liked their relationship. I the scene where he catches her kind of with with one of her marks that she's trying to get revenge on. Um you can see, you know, that she actually feels bad. That was a great scene. And yeah. then it was about at that scene that I realized, oh, he's not, he's going to, there's going to be something here. He's going to know something about the assault. And because she really likes him, you yeah. know, that she's not playing him. She really likes him. So this is going to be hard for her, you know? <laughs> it interestingly also does a lot of like, you know, the very first hookup, you're kind of like, did she kill him? Is that blood? But then you kind of don't really know. It does a lot of like... And it never tells you, which yeah, I thought was interesting. It was interesting. Except, like, how far did this go, you know? Yeah, it does tell you, now that I'm thinking of it. Because she, she in that scene, uh, when she walks out with the guy, he says, oh my God, you're that crazy bitch from blah, blah, blah. So you do know that she didn't kill Seth Cohen. Right, um, right. Yeah. Seth Cohen is an asshole. Um, I thought that was a, a nice little bit of casting to to make, you know, the geeky, like, just the nice guy nerd from the OC to make him. The, oh, is that the what creepy. he's from? I didn't yeah. actually know who he was. Yeah, he's That's from funny. the OC. Okay. And he's, yeah. 
And then so McLovin. that was a nice bit. Ooh, McLovin. Yeah, to have McLovin snorting cocaine was pretty good too. He was pretty good too. I have to he, say. I no, I think was everybody was great. Yeah, lots of good scenes and just, but didn't. I don't know what they were doing. Yeah, <laughs> together. <laughs> yeah, um, agreed. Yeah. All right. So if you have to give it a rating, what would you give it? It's a tough one. We need some more N words. No. Right. Oh wow! I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> like Nick's words. Exactly. <laughs> um, nice Nick's not for me. Because it's incredible. I guess it wasn't for me. It's not for me. It wasn't. Yeah. It didn't. It didn't tickle my fancy. So yeah, I would say nice first film technically, but not for me. Also, that's nice for you. <laughs> That was a very nice thing to say. <laughs> I mean, I lots to like about this movie. And I, and I think you're right that some of that could have just been overhype, you know, that yeah. we sort of fell into a little bit. Because, man, people are loving this movie. And I I, I, I need to read a little more about exactly yeah. why. Why? Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. It's definitely not worth, sorry, $20. Um, yeah, like we a, love you, Dave. Yeah. See, I chose to spend $24 on Dissident. (laughs) Instead of buying Promising Young Woman last weekend, I'm feeling like I want to pat myself on the back here. (laughs) Well, you know, I keep patting myself on the back for not buying the uh, Chloe Grace Moritz uh, Battles of Gremlin on a World War II plane. Um, Have you seen the preview for that movie? Um, it's yeah, it's still twenty dollars. Did you I'm, drop acid? I'm this <laughs> close. Every time I see it pop up, I'm like, I need to watch this movie. It looks so what terrible. But <laughs> I don't. Let's move on. <laughs> I will have a review of that movie. Wow, I I think you hallucinated that. <laughs> have you not seen the preview for this? No. Oh my god! It's. I think it, you made it up in your head. I I may have. I did this. I, the world. This year has been so strange that I. That you just, just manifested a, this weird yeah. ass movie. <laughs> yeah. She's uh yeah yeah. Anyways, uh, what is it called? Something. Ooh. Yeah. Anyways, let's move on. Wandavision. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe finally comes to Disney Plus for this new show focused on two of the less interesting characters from the Avengers movies. Wanda Maximoff, a.k.a. the Scarlet Witch, and Vision, Tony Stark's shiny robot creation. Uh, Vision did not survive the final Avengers movie. Sorry, spoilers, but I feel like anybody who cares about this has seen that. Uh, but Wasn't his- he even dead in the one before the final? I think. Didn't he die? He didn't die in Endgame. He died in the one before, right? Yeah, but he must have come back at some point. I, I don't, don't think he did. I thought I he died in... I think he was in the final one, but um, I don't know. We can check that later. You can Google while I'm talking. Yeah. But anyways, he's mm-hmm. somehow been resurrected and uh, living in a variety of nostalgic sitcom settings uh, with Wanda. Uh, this thing basically jumps from era to era, but clearly something is amiss and there is a greater mystery at uh, at large that we're going to sort of unravel. Um, I guess also we should do just non-spoilers because this is the kind of show that I think people are really... I just talked to a friend the other day who's like, oh, I'm going to wait until everything drops so I can watch it all, so I don't want to give too much away. But uh, what did you think, non-spoilers, of WandaVision? Uh, We've seen the first thing episodes. I, the first thing I thought is, you're the... Me- the uh, the Marvel like geek and I'm right about this. He was in Infinity War, but not Endgame. He At died all? in Infinity War. He would, what didn't appear in? Not even listed on Paul Bettany's. Uh, nope, not at okay. all. Not even in all a right. flashback. Cool. Um, 
I just remember him dying because I didn't know much about these characters in Infinity War, and then I remembered that he wasn't in Endgame because I'm a nerd. What did I think without spoilers? Okay, without spoilers, I thought that it's satire and it's nods to all of the shows that it was mimicking were great. I think that both Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany, both of whom I find charming in most things, were really good. I, you know, I love Catherine Hahn. I'm always glad to see Emma Caulfield. The supporting cast in this is great. This is worth watching simply because the performances are great and the makeup and the costuming and watching it is fun. The the mimicry of Dick Van Dyke and Bewitched and the Brady Bunch is worth having a little bit of nostalgia for. So I think without spoilers, this is a fun show. What did you think, Justin? I'm right there That's with you. That's all I can say with out yeah. spoilers. <laughs> I am super enjoying the show way more than I thought I was going to. I was like, this seems like it could be a total turkey. I did not care about these characters so much so that I could not remember which movies they were in, clearly. Um, and as much as, you know, I liked Paul Bettany and other things, I didn't I him. know Elizabeth Olsen very well and thought, like, is she good? Why did they change her accent halfway through the movies? They, like, tried to come up with some explanation of why she suddenly was speaking English halfway through the, with a, you know, an American accent halfway through the um, Avengers movies. I, I was worried about this. Everything about have, it just smelled bad. Have you ever seen like her in her smaller roles? I don't think I have. What like have you what? ever seen the Marcy May Marlene? I think I started that and just never got to it. But I, I she's it's, good. Heard. She is great. Yeah, she is. I I was surprised when she went like big when she was in like Marvel. I was like, oh no, don't take my little Elizabeth Olsen because. I just thought she, I, she is so good and so talented. And yeah. so, you, you know me, I'm not a big Marvel person, but I really connected with this. I think this is, and we'll get into spoilers, but I think this is brilliant. I really, I think, really enjoying it. I think those, the movies definitely did both of them kind of wrong. I mean, yeah. there was so much they were cramming into it. It's like the Avengers, and so they just got to stuff everything in. Um, but this So is, I love them being able to have some room to play around and, this is and actually have their made chemistry. Me care about them, to see their yep. chemistry, to see their range. Um, yep. it, and it builds on all the things that the, the movies were hinting at in a way that it's like, oh, if you're going to take a movie franchise and turn it into a TV show, like, this is kind of how you do it. Like, yep. Um, I'm pretty impressed. Yep. And just also technically, the, the oh. amount of detail that has gone into this to sort of recreate the various pastiches of, you know, sitcoms and the eras. Apparently, I was, I don't know if this is true, but I heard that the very first episode, the Dick Van Dyke kind of 50s Lucy right. one, was recorded in front of a live audience. It was. That is yes. true. Yes, That's that is wild. true. Like, yeah. what an amazing bit of just like uh, to make detail. It yeah. Much like the Dick Van Dyke show, which is fucking cool and, and so pre COVID. Right. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> And then just all of the um, like the editing styles that evolve with the sort of eras and the way that there is a, a mystery unfolding that's clearly outside of kind of, and we'll talk about this more in spoilers, but something yeah. outside of the reality 
the way that that sort of deconstructs and sort of breaks down the the, the trope of the era that they're in is just yeah. so well done. The rhythm of it, it actually moves from being, it, it's not very funny. I remember I heard a lot of people being, oh, it's so funny. And I'm like, it's not really that funny because those shows are like I not. I think the third one was funnier than any of the rest of them. Yeah. And I don't know if that's just because I have more of a connection to the Brady Bunch than I do to Bewitched or Dick Van Dyke. Yeah. But then the there was it was funnier to me. You know, there were there were jokes in the first ones that got me, but the third one, like I thought it was way funnier. Well, I sort of think what's smart about it in a way is that it doesn't actually need to be funny. Oh, it's it doesn't. Like, no. It's exactly. just sort of like paying homage, but it it's like those shows aren't really funny now when you watch them. I mean, right. except maybe Lucy. I'll say Lucy's still fucking hilarious. Um, I don't like I love Lucy. Oh, interesting. We'll have to talk that more later. Um, Dick Van Dyke. Right. I don't. I don't think I watched enough Dick Van Dyke to have an opinion about. I it. I didn't watch um, a ton of it either. So yeah, it was but, you know, it was one of those that when it came on Channel Forty Four, I was like, yeah, no, we're we're good. I'm gonna that and Petticoat Junction. Wasn't interested. <laughs> I really have to also give it up for that first episode with, um, uh, I forget her name from that 70s show, uh, Deborah something. Oh, De- Deborah Joe Rupp. And De- she was great. So terrific. And the guy from uh, uh, Lady Dynamite, I forget his yeah. name. He's, yeah, he's great. And that whole dinner scene. I mean, it it has that creepy, like, I mean, people talking about Lynch, and I, it's not totally Lynch, but I mean, if you've seen no, Indian there was Empire, some Lynchian stuff going yeah, on. Yeah, it's sure. sort of the, the unwinding of kind of comedy and sort of turning how quickly it can turn into horror. I right. like what the show is doing. Yep. Um, should we get into spoilers? Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, so we've seen three episodes. Uh, if you don't want to hear what is happening, and this is mostly going to be us theorizing about what the hell's ha- going on here, um, yeah. you can do a uh, one, um, you know, bonbon on a conveyor belt, a two, uh, don't play ball in the house, a three, um, part glass, of- glass, yes, Gregory <laughs> Glass, exactly, <laughs> Mike Glass. I, no, Mike George was Glass? somebody else. George was, uh, Glass. George Glass. There yeah. we go. <laughs> Who All knows? Right. You married him, dude. Right. <laughs> exactly. So what what do you think is going on? I think that this is going on inside of Wanda's head. I think that in her grief over losing vision, she has created some sort of multiverse in her head um that's what i think but what do you think well there's clearly some somebody on the outside of it too that's either trying to yeah somehow they know yeah and and i definitely think that the 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 characters that we see again and again i think both emma caulfield and uh um catherine hahn and tiana parish Right. Uh, yeah, but Tiana Parrish, who they, you know, manifest in the second episode. I think they all, I think they all know something's going on. But right. there, I do think this is a world that she created in order to deal with her grief over losing vision. And right. what what would it have been like if I didn't lose him? What would it have been like if we could have had a normal life? So, how much do you want to know about the comic stuff that I know? Do you not want to know? Do you want to just ride? No, go ahead. It's fine. Um, I've heard a little, yeah. but 
So I'm wondering, and I've, I, I, I don't think I'm the first person to speculate this, but I think this is where it's building. I think this third episode sort of pointed to it a little bit. With um, the whole Hydra thing and all of that. Well, with especially with the rain and then the commercial where it was about reading Where they said Hydra bath. No, but it was also about reading somebody's mind. Yeah. I, yeah. So I think this is riffing on the House of M, which is a yeah, famous... Yeah, I know it. Next <laughs> final story where basically the mutants, um, she wishes away the mutants because right. she has grief about her kids in this sort of fantasy world basically got killed, not right? Sister got killed or something. And so she goes crazy and is like, blames it on, I guess, Magneto or somebody and is like, you know, okay. I wish there were no more mutants. I think they're flipping the script on it and this is going to be the creation of mutants. There's basically going to be... And how, yeah. Yeah, because there's also... I have heard that theory. Parts of and, her history, although it's been, I guess, retconned a few times over the years, is that Magneto from the X-Men is her father. So, oh, yeah. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if this ends with, like, the new Magneto or whatever showing up. Um, right. I don't know if they'll go that far. Maybe they're just setting... I also could be totally wrong, but I thought the rain well, they did- storm... And the Xavier reading the mind and well, and they they own the mutants now. So this, you know, people yeah. are saying this is the way they bring them into the universe. Right. And that, you know, that yes. I I I have heard all of that. I cannot suppose to any of that because that's all stuff I I don't know much about and that I read about after. Yeah. My my true feelings on this was this is an amazing piece of work about about grief, and that ties totally. into Promising Young Woman and and how you can sometimes see Elizabeth Olsen plays it where she knows that this isn't real, and she even says, "Is this real to him?" At one point, yeah. and and but is grasping. It's like when you're in a dream and something really good is happening, and you want to convince yourself it's not a dream. Yeah. But you know it is, but you're trying to push that away. And she captures that so well. And that feeling of, I can have five more minutes with this person that I lost. And I can have a life. And I can, is so well conveyed. And it has a strange melancholy over the whole thing. And the fact that he doesn't know that. He knows something's going on, but he doesn't have that same sense of grief to him instead he's just like oh i love you and i don't know what's happening but i love you and let's have this babies these babies and i just think it's really really smart and so clever very well done and i'm really really enjoying it me too all right final predictions what do we think their 80s choices their 90s choices and their odds choices will be i mean if yeah I mean, 90s has got to be Friends, right? Friends um, and Seinfeld, maybe. Yeah. 80s? Cheers? Oh, right. Like Cheers, little Cosby show. Family Ties. Full House. Yeah, Drawing Pains. Yeah. Full House. I bet they won't do Full House simply because of the Olsen twins. Oh, wait. That means so they'll either do it. <laughs> do it because of the Olsen twins or they won't do it. I didn't even think about that. And fun. that would be 90s anyway. Yeah. And then what would the... Wait, really? Full House wasn't on in the 80s? Wow. I, didn't, I mean, I never saw it. So <laughs> nope. 
I mean, um, I'll start then, check the starting year, but what about the aughts? What are the aughts going to be? I don't. I think I stopped watching sitcoms at that point. I mean, oh, Full House did start in '87, but it went for so long that you know, I bet right. it would be more '90s than '80s. '80s is Family Ties. Is you know, growing pains. Right. That's. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out what aughts shows there would be, but maybe they'll break it all down before then. We'll maybe. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be the point at which she's like, I have no inspiration for my fantasy because there's there were no good sitcoms in those areas. <laughs> um, everything just got nostalgic then. But right. uh, yeah, I super enjoyed this. I give it a, a high nice, way better than I thought. I can't wait to see where it goes. It, it will depend on where it goes, if it really... Yeah, no, absolutely. It's nice. Yeah. It's fun to watch. I, I, I'm sure the nice will keep on just because I like watching these two actors. I like watching all the supporting cast. The set design is so fucking gorgeous that it'll be nice just to look at. We'll see if it goes higher than that, because yeah. if they nail this could be it, really special. It could, yeah, it could be really special. Yeah. So, don't fuck it up, guys. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. Should we move on? Yeah. I got a couple of news things. Um, uh, speaking of Disney Plus, they have secured the rights to stream The Muppet Show started in February 19th. Now, Louia. I don't know if anybody's out there <laughs> ever decided that they thought, oh, I'll just buy the DVDs for, you know, for the because I, I wanted to watch this show and it's nostalgic. And then you realize you had to, like, you know, have a cougar Ann sitting on <laughs> your bed in order to buy The Muppet Show because of all the music rights. Well, if you wanted to watch it, it is, and it never streamed anywhere. Now it's going to stream on uh, Disney Plus starting February 19th. That's where I will be. That is two days before my birthday. I feel like it's a special birthday present just for me. They just um, keep roping me in. I'm just like, I'm done with you, Disney Plus. After WandaVision. Okay, no, after Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> and there's five seasons of the Muppets, so that can take a while. And I'm going to be um, amazed if they have all of the... Um, musical rights that's the thing i'm curious about they're disney they probably just went to people and said give it that's, to me that's true that's true good point <laughs> and the people are i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> and gave them the rights uh okay so also uh the joe goldberg novels which are you and uh hidden bodies which if you're gonna start with one you you call something else anyway there's a new one coming out in april it's called uh Love You, Me, I believe, um, which, if you've read these novels without spoilers, makes absolute sense. Um, and I'm excited, which also bodes well for the new season on Netflix for those of you that, for those of you weirdos that actually think this is a good show and not just one that you have, you know, a codependent relationship with. <laughs> the books are better. The show's star Penn Bagley, you guys. Is this Ken show, Bagley. Are these like, a, right? is, it a, is it a continuous series? Like, does it follow the same yeah. characters? Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a serial killer. Okay. He's a stalker and a serial killer who's also played by, you know, nice guy from Gossip Girl. Right. And <laughs> I, I have a codependent relationship with this show and I will watch it, but I know it's not good and I know that it stars Penn Bagley. So <laughs> moving on. We're going to move on to, we did what you saw there and I'm going to keep talking and we, anyway, 
Do it. I'm excited about that book. Speaking of books, I have been reading a lot. Uh, Angie Thomas, I've talked about it several times on the podcast. Her newest one, Concrete Rose, dropped on the 12th, and I am almost finished with it because I've been making myself not just sit and read it all and all and all. Uh, She has such a great narrative voice. She writes the way her characters talk. And you... Her characters are so fleshed out and feel so real that you just want to sit and let them tell you their stories. And this is, uh, it's a prequel to The Hate You Give. It is the story of Maverick Carter, who was the lead character in The Hate You Give's father. And um, Andrew Thomas has gone on to say that uh, Russell Hornsby gave such a great performance as Maverick, who was always her favorite character as she was writing them anyway, that she decided that she wanted to tell his backstory. And this is his backstory. And it's good. And it's set in um, 1999. So, you know, it's historical fiction now. Right. It's true. So we're old. <laughs> when, when 99, 98, 99 is historical fiction, we're old. It's, it's worth checking out. Angie Thomas is a good talent. Um, Rachel Kane, who is a writer I like a lot, recently passed away. She had cancer. Um, and she wrote a series of books called the Morgan uh, about the Morganville vampires, and I have been reading them because they're fun. And I wanted to say, hey, thanks for the memories to you, Rachel Kane, and you were a neat person. And in the writing community, she is respected. Is it is we'll that a like a, a comedy horror? Is the Morgan sort of okay? They're they're somewhat campy. Um, they're YA. Uh, they're about this town where vampires reign. Um, they made a web series about it that was very crowdfunded, and Amber Benson played the lead vampire. Oh, wow. And yeah, so they are very fan driven and appreciated, and they're fun. They're they're not great literature, but they're characters that you really care about even though it's a little like, okay, uh, that plot I didn't really follow, but every, but all the characters are so so fun. You just like watching them move around. Nice. So I've been rereading those. Uh, watch more Doctor Who. We're, and apparently it's about to get sad, so we turned it off and watched <laughs> Dogma. <laughs> uh, Wait, the uh, Kevin Smith movie? Yeah. Did you know you can't stream that anywhere? I mean, did you know that if you have a DVD of this, I just checked, I do not still have my DVD of this movie, that you could make yourself a cool 150 bucks because apparently it's really hard to find because Harvey and Bob Weinstein own the the streaming rights and just yanked it. How strange. Yeah. You can search for it on YouTube and there may be some guy whose name is russian cooch smoocher (laughs) (laughs) whose full version of the movie is on youtube and didn't infect our computer while we watched it so (laughs) here's a question is it as terrible as i remember because i hated that movie Okay. okay i never hated it i never thought it was terrible uh i still liked it um it's always fun to watch alan rickman be alan rickman um i did watch it with to people who said, oh, I heard that the woman who played God is a singer. 
So I'm old and they're not. (laughs) Oh, it's Alanis? Uh Uh-huh. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. So I'm old and they're not because, yeah, they were in elementary school when Jagged Little Pill came out. (laughs) Uh, And I don't know shit about music. And I know who that was. (laughs) Exactly. What's that? I still have tickets to Alanis Morissette when the apocalypse ends and it gets released. Exactly. Um, I totally forgot she was in that. Yeah, she's gone. I, yeah, she's, I like so, she's she's in that new uh, animated show too, The Great North. Yeah, Dark, I yeah. look. Dogma's a movie I always somewhat liked. I like Kevin Smith's writing. I I think it's interesting that it doesn't stream anywhere, and that it's another thing to be mad at Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, I like his writing. I I always felt like he had a just directing problem like his movies just look like ass <laughs> that always bothered me <laughs> well russian cooch smoochers uh <laughs> cut was was you know his 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 stream was pretty good it's pretty tight all right cool good cool. good on you russian cooch smoocher <laughs> i just want to keep saying that because i've had a bit to drink did dogma has a character that's like a pile of poo is that the am i remembering There's a, there is a shit monster yes yeah. a shit demon yes <laughs> all right, yes right and a Scientologist as a demon, which... <laughs> Hi, go. Jason Lee. We see you. Typecasting. <laughs> yes. All right. Should we talk about so Servants for, like, literally two seconds? Because... Yeah, two seconds. Servant is back on uh, Apple TV, and it is garbage. <laughs> it's hot garbage. And it's boring garbage. Hot, boring garbage with crispy flesh burning and picking uh, at fleshy, fleshy crisp burning. It, it was like, I, I'm so bored, and yet that's how you're trying to get my interest? Is this some gooey hand picking? Like <laughs> I, I don't think I'll be back. It told me, my, my phone said, there's a new episode of Servant. And I went, I don't give a fuck. I know. <laughs> Thank you, I phone. Know. I'm going to go watch The Stand and WandaVision. <laughs> yeah. If that and if that baby doesn't come back being like a crazy, like evil, you know, neck munching demon baby, I'm not into it. I don't care. Um. <laughs> <laughs> neck munching. <laughs> All right, I am watching currently the fourth season of Search Party, which is back on HBO Max for its final season. This show is batshit crazy. I adore it. It's just, I, it's so, I'm having so much fun with it. This fourth season um, has taken a turn without spoilers for anybody who wants to watch this um, into kind of almost like a mis I can say a misery like plot with a kind of crazy fan stalker. Um, I will say that uh, Cole Escola um, from, you know, difficult people and Amy Sedaris kind of craft show, whatever that's called is amazing in it as is at home with Amy Sedaris, which just got canceled. Okay. Canceled. Oh, I fucking nixed that. I got a next. Thank you for my next boo. They're done with it. Totally. I know it's sad. Uh, Mm -hmm. It it sort of won me over by the end. I didn't. Yeah. I like that. It was a good quarantine watch. Um, Also, Ann Dowd. Ann Dowd is in this, you guys. Every time Ann Dowd shows up anywhere, it just makes the world a better place. I like, I just, she's amazing. And this show is, it is ridiculous. It is like a telenovela, like crazy plot thing about, this entitled little shithead and her friends. And yet, man, uh, 
uh, Ali, Aliyah Shawkat is giving Alia, is it Alia or Leah? Alia, Alia. Shawkat is giving like an Emmy worthy performance. She's, She's amazing. Incredible. She is so talented. And it's, it's such a weird mix of comedy and horror and drama and it shouldn't work. And I'm not totally sure it does, but it's one of those shows where I'm just kind of like, along for the ride i feel like this is my uh you know my nails or my claws or whatever <laughs> like it's like kind of i watch it and know that it's like kind of bad but i also s- deeply love it um claws isn't kind of bad claws is great all the time <laughs> um i've been reading as well too uh we write upon sticks is a very fun novel um by Quan berry it came out last year uh this is about a uh, high school in Massachusetts in the 80s and the girls field hockey team plus one boy um, who look into witchcraft to start winning their their uh, field hockey matches. It is a super diverse crew of, of girls and a boy and it gets into queer stuff and gender stuff and racial stuff and it is really delightful and surprising. There's all this funny kind of things where you think it's sort of you know you know where it's going if you've seen the craft and harry potter and then it kind of pulls the rug out from under you in interesting ways i really like this book i actually really would love to know your thoughts on it because it's it's great it's i I was really surprised by it um i'm also reading not so great but man it i needed it this week (laughs) just trash i'm this is just so such trash home before dark yes it is called Home Before Dark. Is that the name of a uh, straight-to-DVD thriller from 1992? Yes, probably several of them, I'm guessing. <laughs> Maybe some shows on, um, you know, USA Network. Fanny goes over to IMDb. <laughs> Home <laughs> Before <laughs> This is a 2020 novel, believe it or not, by somebody named Riley Sager, Sager who has apparently written uh, several well-selling, well-selling, if, uh, I'm not going to say best-selling, but successful books that are these sort of thrillery, ghosty, trashy stories. This is like Shirley Jackson, light, 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 light. Um, I. It was kind of fun. It was a tight little kind of story it really moved along it was one of those things where it was like a mystery and there's a ghosty thing and there are bells in an old house ringing and there's you know morse code as they're trying to figure out what the bells mean and it's very silly very derivative of a million other things i also kind of just tore right through it It it's perfect for going to bed at night and kind of forgetting about the world and spooking myself a little bit, but not enough to actually really give me sort of bad nightmares. So yeah, I won't be reading any more of his books, but it was great for now. And I'm reading a really fun book. Uh, now I'm reading a lot because it's only been a couple weeks and turned these books called Hench. Um, do you know about this book? Yeah, I will talk about it more as I finish it, but I just started it and it is about a bunch of um, temps who are, some of them are mildly superpowered and some of them aren't, who work for a temp agency for supervillains. <laughs> and so it's like, some of them are like data entry for supervillains. And some nice. of them are like drivers. And it's really funny and twisted. And I'm really liking that so far. So Hench, I'll probably have more to say about that. 
Home Before Dark, 1958. Simmons is magnetic as Charlotte, her lovely, delicate face reflecting the inner turmoil of a woman battling for sanity after she walks out of a mental institution. (laughs) And Home Before Dark, 2020 TV series on Apple+. Plus. A young girl from the big city uncovers clues to an unsolved cold case while visiting her father's small lakeside town. Now, what about you know? Now, what about Home After Dark? (laughs) There's probably several of those too. You don't have to look at it now, but (laughs) you know I'm gonna. (laughs) All right. While Fanny's looking that up, I'm gonna close this out here. Uh, You can tell us about 1976 and 2007. One's about psychic investigations, and the other one has something about homicide. It's basically like the Mad Libs, like movie title, yep, book title. Um, all right. Talk to us on Facebook. We are at the next podcast. Uh, talk to us at uh, the motion to next at gmail.com. Uh, Twitter, a safe space again. Now that we don't have that orange fucking maniac who I don't even want to say his name anymore. It's- nope, we don't have to. We don't have to listen to you anymore. You're not the boss of us. Uh, God, I, t- I don't know if you feel this, but I, I was saying to someone the other day, like, I feel like uh, maybe it was you that I have an anxiety hole. <laughs> yes. And, and it's gone, and now I'm what like, do I put in it? I'm yeah. like, what, what should go in it now? But I'm sort of trying to figure out what deserves the space in the anxiety hole. Um, but it was a, me, but and yes, it's a good feeling, and yet, yeah, but I keep having these waves of wait a minute, we really made it, we, yeah. we got th- we, we made it through, yeah. it's done. Are you kidding me? It doesn't still feel real yet, but no, nope. um, it, I'm hoping we will feel more normal as this week yep. progresses um i am at justin hartung on twitter and i'm at fanny v darling on twitter come talk to us uh we will see you next time we shall it's true bye bye <laughs>